you're not as good as you are. I'm not as good as you are. What's up, everyone? How are you doing tonight? Very good. How are you? You're sweating. It is hot in here. Raise your hand if you're not hot. Awesome. Raise your hand if you're not cold. Way. Way. That doesn't make any sense. Well, how many of you guys had a good week so far? Well, the week has restarted. How many of you guys, last week was a great week. How many of you guys, your birthday's on Thursday. It was your birthday. Happy belated birthday. What did you say? Your birthday's in 12 days. Awesome. Um, anyone, anything exciting happening in your life you want to share with the entire world? I guess the really exciting Matthew. Like, really exciting. You took a nap. Matthew took a nap today. We'll give it up for Matthew's nap. Um, yes. Your basketball team won your tournament this week. That's great stuff. Jason. Sorry, Jason. These rude people in front of you are talking right now. Hold on, we're listening to Jaden. Jaden, what you got? Yes, You started driver's ed this week. That means I need to not drive anymore. I'm just kidding. You're still alive, yes. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> Did you think you were not going to be alive? Someone on this side, something exciting that's happening in your life. You're practicing volleyball. That's exciting. Who else? Let's go with Michael. Something exciting that's happening in your life. He got a perm. He got a perm. Michael got a perm. Say what? Yeah. What? Your birthday's in 14 days. How do you turn? 12. 12. So, this time of year, we're entering into a very interesting time of year. Um, <coughs> Merry Christmas. Um, we're entering into Christmas. How many of you guys like Christmas? How many of you guys, you can feel brave, raise your hand if it's true, don't like Christmas. Anyone in the room not like Christmas? How many of you guys have been listening to Christmas music since last Christmas? Like, you listen to Christmas music all year long? How many of you guys, you're like, we can't start listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Like, Thanksgiving needs its own time to shine? How many of you guys still have Christmas lights on your house from last year? Your parents didn't take them down, anyone? Yeah, I see that hand. My grandma was that way. She's like, why take them down? I'm going to put them back up in here. I'm like, <laughs> solid logic, grandma. Solid logic. So Christmas time, for a lot of people, can be extremely exciting. But for a lot of people, it can also be an extremely sad and depressing time of year because it's one of those times of year when we're reminded of people that we might have lost, our friends that we're not friends with, with friends with any longer, our family members that are no longer with us here on earth. 
How many of you guys would say that you're very good at giving presents? Like, if there was a competition for present giving, you would be like the champion of giving presents. Now, there's a difference between giving presents and, so you can be good at giving presents and be horrible at the presentation of a Christmas present. You know what I mean? So like if you're scrolling through social media and some people spend like 10 minutes wrapping one box, like I'm not good at that. The ribbons and the, I saw on one thing they were hot gluing hot glue cars to the top of the box to make it look like a racetrack. Like the kids are just gonna rip the paper off and they're gonna forget the car was there. So good at giving presents, raise your hand. All right, good at wrapping presents. Anyone in the room good at wrapping presents? Absolutely not. I don't fall there. So, I want you to think about something. When you give presents, there's a huge pressure to get it right. So me and my wife have been married for... Oh gosh, now there's a huge pressure to get this right. Too, too long. You say too long? Too long. We have been married way longer than two months. We've been married four years. Yeah. Took me long enough. I bought some time there. So we've been married four years, and there's an immense pressure on my end. I don't think she cares. You know, girls always say, "Oh, you don't have to give me anything." You know what that really means, guys? It means you have to give me something, and it has to be fantastic. So there's a lot of pressure when it comes to giving presents. So we got married in October 2015. So we just celebrated four years in October. She was out of town visiting family, and I was in Nashville speaking at a conference, and I came back, and um, me and Luke were downtown eating at the vault, and I was like, hey, I didn't buy a wedding anniversary present. We didn't discuss buying presents. Hey, it was okay, she wasn't here yet. She didn't know I didn't buy anything. So Luke was like, hey, let's go find her a present. So we stumbled into this little shop in downtown Marion on the square called the Lavish Box. Because my wife loves like bath bombs and body scrubs and that candle stuff that smells good. So I was like, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna walk to the store, we're gonna build this basket, and it's gonna be the best present because I like thoughtful presents. How many of you like just receiving gift cards? Like if I were to ask you what you want, you're like, just give me a gift card. How many of you are like, it's the thought that matters. Even if it costs less than the amount on the gift card, I would rather like a personalized present from someone. How many of you don't care? Like just give me something. All right, so I like giving thoughtful presents. So I know she likes bath bombs, so we're gonna create this whole nice box of bath bombs. I buy this basket, I get it in the car, and I have to go pick her up from the airport in St. Louis, and I'm like, this is gonna be great. We didn't talk about buying presents. I'm gonna give her a present. I'm gonna blow her mind with this present, and she's not gonna give me anything back because we didn't talk about it. Can anyone guess what happened? She got me something. It was potentially, depending on who you ask, a better present than my thoughtful box of, so she loves owls, there was an owl in there, it was purple and blue and bath bombs and body scrub and, you know, it was, it was an expensive basket. So she's like, what's that basket back there? No, it wasn't even in the car, it was at home. 
So, we pick her up from the airport, say hi to Simeon, he's excited, hadn't seen him in like a week at this point, or two weeks at that point, um, and she's like, I got you a present. So, let's put a pin here before you all decide that I'm a horrible husband when I tell you what she bought me. It was also my birthday, so like, we got married on October 3rd, on October 5th it's my birthday. I did it that way so I wouldn't forget um, when our anniversary was. Um, and so, it was also my birthday, so I'm gonna put that out there and you can take it and do with it what you want. So, anniversary, birthday, one week. So, I get in the car, she's like, I got you something. I was like, oh, you didn't have to do that. And I'm lying, I didn't get you anything. Like, oh, I'm gonna surprise you when we get home with this basket of great things. She's like, I didn't wrap it though. I'm like, okay, that's fine. She's like, so we were driving down the road, we stopped and eating at Chick-fil-A, because when you see a Chick-fil-A, you have to stop. Um, and she goes, you know, I'm just gonna give it to you now because I can't wait to give it to you when we get back to Maryland. And so, can anyone guess what she pulls out of her backpack to give me? A dog, she brought a dog all the way back. Just kidding. A car? In the backpack? <laughs> I brought this car on the back Not an Apple Watch, but it was an Apple product. So out of her backpack, she pulls a pair of AirPods out of her backpack. And I'm like, dude! Except I didn't say dude, because she's not a dude. Like, man! I really, like, because I was thinking about going to buy some AirPods, I was like, ah, I'm going to do that. I don't use that word either. It's not the 70s. Um, you're getting me off track. This is a great story. It's going somewhere. So she pulls these AirPods out of her backpack. I'm like, man, I really wanted some new headphones. And I was debating about, so if you know anything about me, when I want something, I do all the research about it possibly. I read every review, I watch every YouTube video. If there's a way I can go test the product and take it back in three days before the, the expiration and get my money back, I'll do it. And so I've been looking into these headphones, Beats versus AirPods versus this versus that versus what is good. Um, and so she pulls these out. I'm extremely excited and instantly, as I'm so excited, I think, dang it, I bought you bath soaps. You bought me AirPods. <coughs> now I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but like I said, Giving gifts can bring a lot of pressure. It can create a lot of awkward situations. It's one of those situations when you become friends with someone and it becomes around the holidays and you're like, hmm, is this one of those friends that I buy a gift for or not buy a gift for? Because there's some friendships where it's okay to buy a gift and there's some friendships where you buy them a gift and they think you're weird. Um, kind of like Leslie you know from Parks and Rec, you wanna watch Parks and Rec in here? How she celebrates every anniversary ever. Like today we're celebrating the first time that we met and you have to give her a gift. Or maybe you just started dating someone and now we're entering into the Christmas season and you're like, hmm. Do I get you a gift or do I not get you a gift? I think guys have a different standard of how long you have to date someone to give a gift than girls do. Like, my personal thing is, if I haven't been dating you a month and it's Christmas time, I'm not buying you an expensive Christmas present. Every girl in the room's like, yes, you will. And so, my thing is, we've known each other for a month. This may work out, this may not work out. If it doesn't work out, you're not gonna give me the present back, are you? Every girl in the room goes, no, we're not giving you the present back because you're a jerk. And so, giving gifts comes with a huge amount 
or pressure. It could be something like, how much did you spend on the gift? I can tell you she spent a lot more on those AirPods than I spent on her owl bath bombs and body scrub thing. She loved it, right? Yeah. 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 Hopefully. She's just saying yeah because I put pressure on it. It was great. <laughs> um, how many of you, when it comes close to Christmas time, you're like trying to manipulate your parents to figure out what they're buying you for Christmas? Anyone do, do like you start cleaning the house and cleaning up your room and doing the dishes? You love surprises. So, side note, we weren't going to talk about this. She's going to kill me because I've talked about her so much. My wife says she loves surprises. But she doesn't really love surprises because when I try to surprise her, she tries to figure out the surprise. So to me, that means you don't like surprises. Am I right? Yes. No. You're impatient. I didn't say that. She said that. Um, you see, if we look at Christmas in a small picture of how, it's a small picture of how we tend to live the rest of our lives. We're trying to keep this balance of gift giving. We're trying to keep this balance of doing good versus doing bad. You try to keep this balance at home. It's the thing where if your sibling hits you, you feel like you have to hit them back. You might keep this balance at school. If a group of friends or a group of people are mean to you, you and your friends might try to be mean back to them. You might even have this balance with your friends. If they do something or don't invite you to something, the next time you may not invite them to something. And some of us fight this balance in dating. When we start dating someone, or when our friends start dating someone and then they're too busy to hang out with the friend group anymore, or they don't have any time for their friends, or something like them cheating on you happens and you decide either you're gonna cheat on them or you're gonna tell everyone what happened to try to ruin them. You see, there's this balance that happens. You know, without thinking about it, our brains become like scorecards. We're remembering every good thing and every bad thing that those people did to us, our friends, our family, we're keeping a constant tally on the way that they treat us so that we can ultimately treat them the way that we think that they deserve. You see, the answer isn't to let people walk all over us with no consequences. But what we're going to look at today is balance. And I know some of you might be thinking, what does balance have to do with the Christmas story? And I venture to say that balance has to do a lot with the Christmas story. Around this time of year, when we think of the Christmas story, we think of a little baby being born in a manger, right? Yeah, Humphrey, why are you laughing? A little baby being born in a manger, um, plot twist, the manger that you potentially have on your coffee table doesn't look the same as where he was actually born. Um, and plot twist, Jesus wasn't actually born on Christmas. Um, I know, I just ruined someone's right. What? Jesus wasn't born on Christmas? What is happening? That's just when we celebrated. And so you see, when we think about Christmas, we think of the sweet baby being born, and that is all that we think about. We think about presents, we think about trees, we think about lights. You see, the Bible has some guys in it that recorded the stories of Jesus. So you have Matthew, the first gospel in the Bible, who writes an eyewitness account of what happens. You have 
Luke, who's an investigator type guy, who's investigating the stories of Jesus and writing about them. You have Mark, who's just there, hanging out. He's like, hey, I'm going to write a book. And then we get to this guy named John. Everyone say John. When you get to John's book in the Bible, it's like a first-hand account of what happened on earth when Jesus was here. You see, John didn't write his book in the Bible until he was very old. Some believe that he was in prison, so John had a lot of time to think about what he was writing about, to get all of the details back in his head, to write what he wrote. John was looking at the big picture, not just the small details. If you look at all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John is the only one that starts in a very unique way, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. So John 1, verses 1 through 2, says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So if you didn't catch it, John starts calling Jesus the Word. Capital W, the Word. And this is very important because in this time frame, and it's still in some portions of Christianity today, they believe that the only way to hear what God was saying was for a priest or someone to tell you what God was saying. But what John is saying is in this verse is, if you want to know what God is saying, you should listen to Jesus. Because Jesus was the Word. He was with God from the very beginning. When I read that earlier today, preparing and putting the final touches on this message, it literally brought tears to my eyes to think about it that way. Because a lot of times in Sunday school we're taught that who created the world? God. But this verse tells us who was with God when everything was created. Jesus. So there they were together creating everything. So John goes on a few chapters later and says something that almost every single person in this room have, has heard before. Something that maybe when you were a kid, you memorized. We used to put it on bracelets and put it on posters and say it to our friends. And it's out of John 3.16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal Life. You see, that's the word. God loved, so God gave. You see, people for centuries and even today are trying to figure out what God is like and what God does. And this tells us, God loved, so God gave. Everyone say, God loved. God. Everyone say, God gave. So God loved and God gave for everybody. You see, his message is not exclusive to any particular group of people. It's not meant just for people that have it together. It's not meant just for people that need hope. And so I love that Luke talked earlier about the kids at IYC. These kids in this youth prison are the same ages as you sitting here tonight in church. Some of them made a very dumb decision in a moment where they weren't thinking clearly and they had to spend the next four years 
to their 18, and some of them after they turn 18 will go from this youth prison to an adult prison because they weren't thinking through how their actions have consequences. And while I was sitting there yesterday, hanging out with these youth guys, building puzzles, decorating cookies, things that we take for granted, they don't get that. They get told when to eat, when to use the bathroom, when they can shower, when to go to bed. And they do it all again the next day. And something hit me while we were there. Austin was there, and I think Austin will share that with you. Some, like We all were just there, and it hit me. I was like, every single one of you can be one step away from being where they are. Because a lot of times we think that our decisions don't have consequences. And that's not what we're talking about tonight. But being there yesterday and standing here tonight talking about how God loved and God gave for everybody, I couldn't rush past that point. That God gave and God loved them just as much as he loved you, and they're not perfect. Some of them are in there because they have literally taken the life of another person. Something that I can't even fathom, 14-year-old boys killing someone else. So what you're doing every single Sunday night, the tribe that you're surrounding yourself with, the groups that you're in, the friends that you're running life with, is extremely, extremely important. And some of the guys that we met with yesterday, they would tell you that. That they're in the situation they're in because they didn't choose <coughs> the right friends to surround themselves So God loved and God gave from everyone. Gave for everyone. So at the beginning of John, it says that God, Jesus was there before the entire world began. And so all of this happened before you were born. Think about it this way. God loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for your sins before you were even born. Like when I thought about that earlier today, it literally brought me to tears. God loved me, Tivo, so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for me before I even sung a worship song to him. Before I even prayed a prayer of salvation. Before I even came to church one single time. Before I cried my first cry on this earth, God loved me, Tivo, so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for my sins. It goes on and tells us that God would have sent Jesus to die for our sins even if we had done bad things. So before our first breath, God decided that he loved every single person in this room so much, whether we did good things or bad things, that he was going to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You see, God was generous to you, and God was generous to me. If we were to look for the balance in God giving, so remember we're talking about balance tonight, it would look this way. God gave it all, and we gave nothing. So God gave everything that he had to us through his son Jesus. Eternal life, salvation, a promise to live with him forever. And we gave nothing in order to get it from him. We weren't even born when he gave it to us. And yet we get to benefit from it. So if we were to look at it as a scorecard, it would look like this. He gave it all, and we gave zero. So this is what hit me 
earlier. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. So Jesus came as a baby at Christmas. That's what we're celebrating here in a couple weeks. He died and he rose again from the dead. That's what we celebrated Easter. And he did all of that. And I still have a choice to reject his gift. God loved every single person in this room so much that he took a calculated risk to send his son to be the savior of the world, knowing that there are some of you in this room that will not receive the gift from him. Now, a lot of you in this room are parents. You may have a pet, or you may have a younger sibling, but you're not a parent. And so where this wrecked me earlier was me sitting there thinking through there's not a person in this room maybe my wife that I would sacrifice Simeon to save I love every single one of you but I would not give up my son to save your life I might give up my dog um, maybe not the poor dog He's a cute thing. His breath smells horrible all the time. But to give up my son to save another person is something that I can't even begin to imagine. Even just standing here on stage thinking about it right now stresses me out. Like my back, I'm now sweating. And I'm like, wow, what would that look like? But God did it for us. He gave it all and we gave zero. Why did he do it? Because God so loved that he extravagantly went out of his way to outbalance the scales so that he would win. So that you could receive Jesus and receive eternal life. You see, God sending Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity. And the band, you guys can go ahead and make your way on the stage. So God sending Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity. So as we're launching into this holiday season, and there's ads on the TV, and people asking questions of, what are you getting for Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? What are you doing for Christmas? We have to remember that God sending Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity. You see, you and I think that if we take away the balanced scales or the scorecard, will be considered weak or powerless. But it's actually just the opposite. God has all the power in the world, yet he chose to send and to give some of that away. He still chose to be more generous than we could ever deserve him to be. There's not a person in this room, myself included, that can earn salvation or eternal life that can earn the right to live with Jesus forever. None of us are perfect. If I could count how many times I fell today, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I would lose count of the amount of times that I fell to meet God's standard. But you see, the thing is, before you were born, before you had the chance to utter your first words, your first cry, God made a conscious decision to send his son to die for your sins, knowing that you may reject him. 
But he knew that risking that was worth it. He knew that taking that chance on you was worth it. So I want to ask, what would it look like for you to stop fighting for balance and just love people the way that God loves us? I personally think you'll be a happier human being because of it. You see, we can be generous with how we talk to people, how we talk about people, how we serve people, how we treat people. It can literally change and shift the mindsets of the people around us. So back to the youth that we were hanging out with, hanging out with yesterday. Like Luke, I've been in that been so I've been to those type of facilities before. And no matter how many times you go, it's a very sobering experience. The fact that there's certain things you can't take inside. You can't take yourself home. You can't take, well, of course you can't take knives in there. You can't take certain things. You have to walk through a metal detector. You have to wait at a gate. A gate opens and then it clicks behind you a big boom. And it was really interesting being there for eight to nine hours yesterday. And I remember when we left, leaving out of the facility, we had to go back through the gates. The guard had to come unlock the door. They had to call someone to unlock the big sliding doors. And we finally got outside and I said, I can't imagine living that way. Yet there are 105 boys in Harrisburg, Illinois, that are living that way right now for decisions and consequences that they're having to pay. And I remember looking at Luke and going, I feel like I was trapped while I was in there. Like we couldn't go to the bathroom without asking the guard to unlock a bathroom for us. All freedom was gone. And in that moment, Jesus reminded me that he sent his son, or God reminded me that he sent his son, Jesus, die for my sins just like he sent them him to die for the sins of those prisoners that we saw yesterday. So that we didn't have to live in this prison. So that we could have freedom to worship him the way that we want. We live in a country where it's legal for us to worship him. There's people on the other side of the world that would be killed for even mentioning the name of Jesus. And what do we do with him? See, this Christmas you can decide to be generous like everyone else. You can keep it measured, balanced, and transactional, or you can be generous like Jesus. And being generous like Jesus looks like this. It looks like sacrificing your time, your effort, and sometimes your things for those around you, for your friends, for your family, it looks like giving sacrificially. And I just mean sometimes it hurts. I don't know if when we get to heaven we'll get to line up and be like, hey, I have a question. Because there'll be a lot of us up there. I hope to see a lot of you there. But one of the questions that I like wonder in my mind, me being an earthly dad, an earthly person, an earthly being, and thinking about the sacrifice of Simeon to save someone else literally brings tears to my eyes. It makes me nervous. 
And I wonder how God felt in that moment when he made that decision to do that for an entire race of people that weren't even born. Knowing that some of those people that he was doing it for would reject him, would mock him, would turn away from him. But then knowing also that there are some of those people that he did it for that would embrace it, that would take that present, receive that gift of salvation, and change the world because of it. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. I think there's two groups of people in this room right now. Maybe three. Some of you in this room are where I was as an 11-year-old boy. I hated church. I hated everything about it. I hated everything about Christians. I hated everything about people that went to church. Because there's a lot of pain that happened in my life as a young kid. And I don't talk about it a lot, but there's a lot of things that happened that I didn't know how to process as an 11-year-old. A lot of hurt, a lot of abuse, a lot of good people that were supposed to take care of me that did anything but take care of me. And I shoved all of that hurt and pain on Jesus and on the church. Because you see, my mom had me when she was 14 years old. 14. Some of you in this room are 14 right now. And that just set off this tailspin of things happening in my life. And one of those things was we went to church with our grandparents every single weekend. My mom had to work three jobs to make sure that me and my brother had food on the table and clothes on our back. And I grew to resent church because of that. So some of you in this room are there today. There's some of you in this room that are, that are questioning whether this whole God thing is real, whether you can trust him, because there's so much pain and hurt that's there. But then there's also some of you in this room that you're interested in learning more about all of this stuff that we talk about every single week. You're interested in learning more about what this Jesus guy that we talk about and pray to, what it's all about. And I think there's a third group in this room that you've already made that decision. If I were to ask you if you were a Christian, you would say yes. You might be able to tell me a time in your life when you prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But there might be something inside of you that's longing for more, yearning for more. So no matter where you are tonight, we're all going to stand, we're all going to pray this prayer out loud together. So that no one feels embarrassed or ashamed. And I'm going to let you decide just how much you believe it. So if you guys can stand with me. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. 
Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. I know I don't always do things right. But I know that if I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, that I can do things better. And God, I thank you for every student that's in this room. I thank you that we're all in different parts of this journey together. That some of us are questioning whether or not you're real. And that's okay because that's a, this is a safe place for us to wrestle with those questions. Some of us would say we're Christians and we just need to go deeper in the things that you called us to do. Whether it's serving um, or leading our friends to Jesus or leading a small group. God, I pray that as we wrap up tonight by going back into worship that you just speak to us. That you show us where our next steps are. That ultimately when we're worshiping you, we're thanking you for everything that you've done for us and everything that you're going to do for us. That you're reminding us that you sent your son before we were even born to die on the cross for our sins. And ultimately we have to make a decision of what we're going to do with that ultimate gift of generosity that you gave to us. We pray all of these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.